Welcome to another episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex. I'm joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming, who I will bring in here momentarily. However you're enjoying the podcast, whether it's Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or excuse me, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. Shows how old I am. Apple Podcasts, uh, all the different ways I heart that you can get in touch with podcast feeds. You can find GBB Live as well as every other podcast that is on the GBB Podcast Network uh, the starting five, three and D, and of course the core four. Uh, all of us are on the GBB Podcast Network. Find us there. Uh, ways to get in touch with the show: you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. You can follow Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flaca. You can follow the blog that I'm the site manager for. The Parker is the associate editor for GrizzlyBearBlues.com at SBN Grizzlies. We've had a busy day over there as we record this on a Thursday night. And you can follow this podcast, of course, our, the, at GBB Live, and you can follow the blog itself at SBN Grizzlies. So lots of ways to get in touch with the show. We'll talk about the question of the day and all those other things in the second segment, uh, the stuff that we were originally going to talk about throughout the entire episode. But of course, there was some breaking news on Thursday. Everybody was kind of expecting it. And Parker, you had the opportunity to be on the media availability with Taylor Jenkins, the head coach of the Grizzlies. And of course, the newly minted, already expected, no, never really in doubt, but the 2019-2020 NBA Rookie of the Year, John Morant. That had to be pretty special to be able to be in that uh, that media availability and see the excitement that Morant had, considering his story, considering the way he came up into the league to get to the point that he is now as you know one of the top young players in the National Basketball Association. That has to be surreal, and you probably knowing Ja and how humble he can be, at least getting to know him from just listening to him talk. I'm not buddies with him, but just following him through the restart and the media availabilities, he's a humble guy. This probably was a moment that, you know, he had only really kind of dreamed about, and it was pretty cool to see it come true. Oh, absolutely. And I, I got to thank you for letting me take the reins on this one. Um, I guess it's a perk of not being a parent yet. Um <laughs> But no, for real, like what you had said, Jaws a humble but confident guy. And during my first season full as like a full media member, it's just really surreal to be able to start this as John Morant's entering the league and on his path to stardom that we all hope that he's going to achieve. And just being at that press conference was surreal, and you can just tell how happy John Morant was. And But it was great because he was – one, acknowledging his award and being super humble and super thankful about it. But throughout the call, he was saying about how there's still work left to do and how much this team's just ready to go. And they have their head heads down. They're, they're ready to go out and keep working towards eventually becoming a champion. He even said that's something his teammates share, that's something coach shares, that's something uh, – GM Zach Kleiman shares as well. And it's just really surreal that even in this moment of honestly very high praise, the mission and the goal ha- hasn't didn't waver at all throughout the press conference. And uh, in particular, I got to ask him about what his favorite memory from his rookie season was. And he said it was that game winner in Charlotte and just 
the smile on his face when he was talking about it because it was in Charlotte. And as we all know, he's from South Carolina. So we had a lot of family and friends there watching him. And he just said that was a very special moment for him because of, you know, where it was. It was his first game winner. And I don't know. It was awesome. And you can kind of tell, like, as we've kind of seen these larger personalities kind of blow up in the bubble, like Jimmy Butler, there's a little bit of Jimmy Butler and John Morant when he said he wants to find that guy that, or woman, excuse me, that voted for, um, that didn't allow him to be the United Rookie of the Year, that he wanted to DM them and thank them for the motivation. I think that's just very cool that we have this very humble, confident dog as a leader. The the revenge tour, I guess. The revenge tour of that one voter is going to be very, very awesome in 2021. <laughs> It's going to be fascinating to see because obviously the votes become public, I believe, after every award is announced. So don't worry, Memphis. There will come a time that we find out who that one person was. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, the Jimmy Butler comp is a good one. Obviously, the Miami Heat still playing. I, I think that the mid-major guards uh, of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum yeah. are good comps as well, especially Lillard in terms of the mentality. Obviously, their games are a little bit different. Morant is more Russell Westbrook and Rajon Rondo in a lot of ways uh, than Lillard. Obviously, Lillard has a, a range from three that we can only hope and dream that John Morant gains. But the mentality, and I wrote about this. Uh, it might have been on Twitter. It might have been a post. I've done a lot of writing. Um, but I, I do remember putting somewhere that the thing about John Morant in terms of what he can be moving forward because like you said in the media availability and I followed along on Twitter uh, once I got my daughters to sleep as you alluded to a little bit ago um, or helped to get my daughters to sleep I should say shout out to my wife uh, it it really is something to look at the confidence that he has how he looks to his teammates his coaches he really is very intrinsically focused on how the organization can improve and he really kind of focuses on what's next, even in the moment of his greatest personal achievement, that's a very Damian Lillard thing. And I think that looking forward, when I try to project what Morant can be for Memphis, I think that that might be the best comp in terms of city impact, in terms of organizational impact. You know, the Portland Trailblazers have become Damian Lillard's team. CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, you know, there's guys up there, obviously Mello this past year, uh, that have made their mark to varying degrees, but it's Damian Lillard's franchise. I kind of envision the Memphis Grizzlies becoming that for John Morant in a very similar fashion, a small market that fits what Morant's personality and demeanor is, and it's a, a match made in heaven. It's the same way with Lillard in Portland. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's very assuring just knowing that we have a guy that's wanting to – take this organization to heights and he's really embracing the city because even beyond um, this award and what he's done this season on the court, just off the court, we've seen him, you know, you mentioned the other day in your call about 901 day about his work in the community and what we saw on the TNT interview. He has a very nice house in Memphis and with those kind of houses that that's an investment. And then we've also seen him do pickup runs against other Memphis athletes uh, both high, sc high school, college, uh, professional athletes. And there's just this, and then there's just this investment in the city. And as we're seeing right now where the national media is being dominated with 
where's Giannis coming next talks. It's very assuring you know, that we have that Memphis has a guy that wants to make Memphis his, and he wants to take the Memphis Grizzlies to that level that we've never, ever achieved before. And as long as the Grizzlies are a functional organization, which, you know, Zach Kleiman and company, I think have shown that they can be that at least to this point in their tenure, uh, he's probably going to be sticking around at least for the next, you know, seven or eight years. That's one of the gifts of restricted free agency when it comes to being a small market team and building through the draft you have that chance when you get an opportunity like a generational talent, like John Moran appears to be, you know, you really have that shot at, at retaining that player, building something with that player and keeping them there as long as you possibly can. It doesn't last forever. You see, you know, Russell Westbrook moving on via trade uh, from OKC. You, you see all sorts of players, obviously that, that kind of move along um, because things change in organizations, but to be on the start of this journey with Morant to see what he's capable of at such a young age and where he is capable of going. And again, it's with a very Memphis demeanor. And I think, you know, from the South Carolina upbringing that you were mentioning a moment ago, the fact that he was in the back gym of AAU tournaments and Murray state randomly discovered him. And like his story is just such a Memphis story. And I've written about that before. It really is cool to see how these two have kind of found each other, the city of Memphis and the Grizzlies and John Morant, and to see what this next evolution of what this franchise is going to be beyond the core four. John Morant is really our first opportunity to say that that era was amazing and we loved it, but it's in the past. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the last two years when Mark and Mike were still here, you were holding on to something. And then even with the arrival of jaw, it felt like you were, you couldn't quite close that chapter just yet for whatever reason. Cause Mike hadn't, you know, had his first home game after the trade, obviously Marcus all never really got that chance because of the pandemic. So there were still things that needed to happen for closure's sake. But I believe even with the uncertainty and the craziness of this season, that the greatness of John Morant, the ability of this front office to turn the page and establish a, a new wealth of draft capital, a new opportunity of young talent to play, complementary role players and veterans like a Jonas Valanciunas, obviously re-signing him. Um, it really does feel like for the first time that that chapter of Grizzlies basketball is closed and it's appreciated for what it was, but people almost unanimously now, and maybe it was like this before and I was one of the ones that was holding on because that's when I came onto the Grizzlies was that whole grit and grind era. But I feel like more than ever before, this award is obviously a, a major milestone for this gr next generation of the Grizzlies. And it's also just a furthering into that next uh, step of what this franchise is going to be in the next chapter of the history of the franchise. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you could even make an argument too, that not only did John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark as well, but they gave G and G supporters closure with their play this year and in this rookie of the year award. But you could even say that John Morant saved this organization because before this season, before the season and even before the lottery, you were looking at Jaron Jackson Jr., who is this unicorn big man that, let's be real, J.B. Bickerstaff didn't know how to use him. And you also had the Marcus Gasol trade, which it brought back very good return. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is probably a top 10 center, arguably. And you got a, another young point guard that you could you were able to use to kind of get the real backup point guard of the future right now with Tyus Jones. 
and but you, you, there wasn't any young prospects with it. You didn't know what you're going to get from Mike Conley, and you had this pick looming over with Boston. Just think, at this time last year, we were talking about wanting to convey a pick or whether or not we should like Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman or LaMelo Ball. But instead, because of John Morant and the rookie season he put on, we're allowed to think bigger and really think towards, okay, what's next? And what does this team need to go up to the top of the Western Conference and potentially compete for championships? And that's just surreal to me. I didn't think we'd be having these conversations uh, in September of 2020. It is September of 2020, isn't it? And it's kind of weird to put it in that perspective because you look at, I mean, if we were in a normal year, we would be starting up preparations for the next season, right? Like training camp would be opening up in Mm -hmm. October or late September. And, you know, you're getting ready for the 2020, 2021 campaign. Obviously we are in anything uh, but a normal year. The playoffs for the previous season are still going on. Um, so it's just a strange all around, uh, thing to experience, but to, to be what John Morant was for this franchise, for this organization, it really is a testament to his mental toughness, his upbringing, the way that he came into the league. Uh, he just really has personified that grittiness that, that is Memphis, you know, and, and it's not a cliche. And I think that anybody that's been to the city, anybody that's been to a Grizzlies game, anyone who, you know, has spent any reasonable amount of time in and around that area knows exactly what I'm talking about. The city is unique to any place that I've ever been to in my life in terms of its soul, its passion, its spirit. And John Morant, you know, even though I've never, actually, that's not true. I've seen him once uh, when I covered the Grizzlies game uh, when they came to DC, that was his first triple double. I covered that game. Uh, so I did get to see John person, you know, just watching him the way he carries himself both in person and beyond. Of course, it, it really is a, a, a match made in heaven. The Grizzlies uh, caught lightning in a bottle. And obviously Zion Williamson is tremendously talented. Uh, the fact he got one first place vote, vote is absurd, but that is what it is uh, ruining the unanimous opportunity, but jaw still uh, pretty darn close to unanimous. So that's okay. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn had a good year for Miami, but he's maybe their fourth or fifth best player. You know, John Morant was the home run pick. We had that pre-write ready for almost two weeks now. Uh, we, we were ready for for, uh, for John being named the Rookie of the Year. Congratulations to John Morant. What an amazing, amazing accomplishment. And I think even more than the award, and Parker, I, I think you'll agree with this in terms of if you ask John what he preferred, and this wouldn't be a question for tonight because he – obviously should get the individual accolades that he has. Um, I think he would almost rather celebrate, aside from this evening, uh, the the fact that this team was two wins away from the playoffs when they were widely viewed as one of the eight or six worst teams in the NBA. I think he would put that on a pedestal more than this individual accolade. And you kind of got that vibe from his answers to questions, talking about Brandon Clark how he should have been a finalist and he's a first team all NBA player talking about the coaching staff, talking about all the work that had been done by the team as a whole. I think that if you asked him again, not tonight, cause he's dancing with his daughter with the trophy and taking pictures. And I think it's okay to be selfish for a night, but ask him any other day, what do you think is more valuable? And perhaps even today as well, he's probably saying the fact that that team with Morant as the leader overachieved almost, or I mean, I would argue they were the second biggest overachieving team in the NBA behind the Oklahoma city thunder. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I I agree, Joe. I really couldn't say it better myself. Come on, Parker. This is a podcast. You got to give me something. More. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. But no, yeah. From John, Stop Moran, agreeing with me. I'm. I have a feeling in the second segment you're going to disagree with me a little bit more, which is good. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. I probably will. We probably have differing question uh, answers for the question of the day. But you you hit the nail on the head. It, it's really surreal because the thing about all the publicity fame and hype John Moran got over the year and this is a guy who came from Murray State and he was found in the back of a gym at some camp and he's from a small town in South Carolina and all of a sudden he's become you can argue that with the amount of hype that he got he got very high star hype. I mean, I remember reading something from The Athletic that I think they had John Morant 5 in the watchability rankings among all-stars, or not all-stars, among anybody in the league. And that included guys like LeBron James and Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the fact that he still remained humble and kind of just remember where he, where he came from and still gives the rec- recognition to his teammates, such as you know Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr., that's really cool, and it's very surreal, especially in the, this day and age of social media, to have a superstar with, with that kind of mentality. It really is impressive, and I think that every accolade, every you know bit of information that we have on him, he's just really a, a remarkable young man in terms of the way that he carries himself, the maturity he has, both playing the game and uh, off the court. To be a lead guard as a rookie, you know, Look at Mike Conley, the greatest point guard in Grizzlies history. John Morant, if he keeps playing like this and on this trajectory, that won't be the case in the next couple of years. Uh, But currently, given the body of work, the greatest point guard in Grizzlies history, uh, he struggled out of the gate. People wanted to trade him for Ramon Sessions and other pieces uh, back uh, not too long ago. Um, And for John Morant to do this year, having a better individual year, obviously, than Conley as a rookie, a comparable year to players like LeBron James, Michael Jordan. You see people using all sorts of measurables in terms of stats. He is in rarefied air. And I don't think that's something that you can overstate or, or over speculate or, you know, underappreciate hopefully that how lucky Memphis truly was to wind up at number two. And again, they would have been lucky to be number one. If Zion was healthy, this probably would have been his award. People need to be honest about that. But the greatest ability in life a lot of times is availability. Ja Morant was, Zion wasn't able to be, and Ja had a body of work that was really, really impressive getting the Grizzlies within two victories of the playoffs this year. You're listening to GBB Live. I'm talking with my co-host, Parker Fleming, this week. Uh, We just wrapped up talking Ja Morant and Rookie of the Year. When we come back in our final segment of the show, we're going to break down a little activity that I did on NBA Twitter, a mock draft that I have a feeling Parker is going to disagree with me with some of the things I did, but I'm going to explain myself here in a moment. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to GBB Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Monax. I'm joined this episode by my co-host, Parker Fleming. Again, congratulations to John Morant, the 2019-2020 Rookie of the Year. Uh, Enjoy the night job because over at grizzlybearblues.com, we've already moved on. I know the playoffs are still going on. Obviously, you won your award. That's fantastic. We're thinking ahead to the offseason. Mock draft season is upon us. 
uh, one of the favorite pastimes at grizzlybearblues.com. Our community mock draft will be returning for all of you that are fans of that show. Uh, that that eventually will come back. Um, but it was the first mock draft of the year that I had an opportunity to participate in. Uh, good buddy CJ on Twitter, shout out to him for the work that he put in to do that draft, assembling a group of guys and gals uh, to represent various teams uh, from around the NBA. I was the Grizzlies, of course, and you can read the post about the trades that I did over at grizzlybearblues.com. Part two will probably come out next week. Uh, in terms of the actual picks that I did in the draft. But part one was the trades, and that's what we'll focus on in this particular segment. But before we get to that, I want to get to the GVB Live question of the day, and that kind of prefaces and leads us into our overall conversation. So, Parker, of course, you saw the question of the day. Uh, thanks to the over 150 folks that voted. What should be the top priority this offseason for the front office of the Memphis Grizzlies? Because obviously this is the time that Zach Kleiman and company are doing their work. Uh, the Grizzlies, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, they're all getting healthy and working on individual parts of their game. The front office is focused on the next steps for the franchise. So what should the top priority this offseason for the front office of the Memphis Grizzlies be? The four options were retain the uh, Anthony Melton and stay the course, acquire more draft picks, push to improve the team now, given the overachieving that we talked about in the first segment. And then the final option was none of the above and reply with your, uh, your votes. Thanks to Lanny for replying. Lanny said, I think the Grizzlies should look into free agency for another athletic big. He talked about Harry Giles and Willie Cauley Stein. Giles is probably outside of the price range, but maybe Cauley Stein could be in the mix. Uh, he talked about moving Dylan and letting Josh and Melton walk or doing a sign and trade with Melton, which is interesting. We'll talk about that here in a moment. Um, Thanks to Gonsol, who talks about Melton not being able to shoot, using the mid-level exception for a player like a Joe Harris, uh, Furkan Korkmaz, somebody along those lines of Brent Forbes. Uh, Rod M. says, resign Josh Jackson, wants Grayson in the starting lineup, also wants Jonte Porter to have a larger role. And then I bleed two-tone blue says get more picks and make a huge run in the 2021 draft, which is comparable to what you said, Parker, and that's where I'll bring you back in. You said in your response, kind of killing the lead for our podcast, but that's okay. Uh, set yourself up for the 2021 or 2022 offseason. So I'm guessing you voted none of the above, which is okay. What do you mean by set yourself up for the 2021 or 2022 offseason? Yeah, this uh, in particular is more towards the uh, the free agency situation. I read something from The Athletic. They, they typically do a uh, salary cap dive on each team that's been eliminated. And they mentioned how a D'Anthony Melton signing would probably put the Grizzlies below the cap space necessary for a max player. And I'm not saying they're going to go out and get Giannis on the Kupo or another max level player. But I think there is value of having that max level space in the 2021 offseason because I think that's when the landscape can shift the biggest. So, I mean, LeBron James will have a player option, then he'll probably renegotiate. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have player options as well. And who knows what's going to happen if they don't win a title this year or next year. And then, more importantly, the thing is, I think everyone should be kind of geared up to see what Milwaukee, or what Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo are going to do because I think there's different layers to it. And, you know, I'm very passionate about that offseason. And I've already pitched to you some about writing it. And you said too soon. But there's so many different layers to it. You have on one side, you have 
Toronto and Miami as notable chasers and potential front runners for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And both of those teams have pretty big name restricted free agents that could be awesome fits here. In Toronto, they have OG Ananobi, and he would be an awesome positionless defender who can also space the floor and spot up from three, put the ball on the floor. And he's already played at a high level playing with the Toronto Raptors. If they're chasing Giannis Antetokounmpo or another max level free agent, they may not want to. They may not be able to afford to bring him back. I'm not saying throw a, an entire bag at him like a Chandler Parsons level bag, but make them sweat a little bit and make them really assess their priorities. And I'm thinking that same exact thing with Miami Heat, who have already been notable to be geared up for the 2021 offseason with Giannis Antetokounmpo and Vidal Depot. And Heat culture has been the big thing in the bubble highlighted by Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero. But probably the most glamorous free agent fit for the Grizzlies is in that free agent class as a restricted free agent. That's Duncan Robinson, who was near record books for what he did as a shooter this season. And imagining him and Coach Genghis' system as John Morant's driving and kicking out to Duncan Robinson can't help but salivate at that thought. And... Even the other layer to that, too, is what if Giannis leaves? What, Where will Milwaukee pivot? If you have that max level space, you can absorb the remaining three years of Chris Middleton's deal. There's so many different angles, and I think you should really be trying to position yourself for that offseason of 2021 because of the uncertainty with the Los Angeles Clippers, the age of LeBron James, the age of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. You can really capitalize and strike and go ahead and try to push yourself towards the top of the Western Conference. And that will also be a time where they will have their draft pick back in a draft that's arguably very deep and with wing talent, which is what the Grizzlies need. And we don't know what the Western Conference is going to look like next year. There are as many teams that I can see. I, there are so many teams I can see winning 50 games, as likely as I can see them winning 30 to 35. And the Grizzlies are one of those teams. So if you can get a little bit of lottery luck, and I mean, best case is like a Jalen Green, but even if you can get like a, a BJ Boston or a Terrence Clark or Zaire Williams, and you also add another wing like Duncan Robinson, OG Ananobi, or in a trade for Chris Middleton, I think that's way bigger than anything you can accomplish this season. And it, this kind of leads me to a question I'll have for you is, how much is it worth bringing back DeAnthony Melton? Because you had the emergence of Grayson Allen. You have something in John Conchart where he brings that same analytical level as DeAnthony Melton and more promise as a spot-up shooter. But also, too, the bigger thing is how much do you want to pay the combo of Dylan Brooks and DeAnthony Melton? That's the biggest question of the offseason. And I, I think that despite what we're going to talk about here in a moment with the mock draft, maybe I'll surprise you with my vote. Uh, I voted retain Melton slash stay the course. And, and I do want to preface retain Melton with uh, an asterisk saying for the right price. Um, I think that it would be foolish to overpay him. And we've talked about that Peachwood, uh, Peachtree Hoops, excuse me, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, article talking about four years, $50 million. I would not pay. Anthony Melton that much money I think that's absurd and if Atlanta offers him that 
I would let him walk. One of the interesting things about the Melton deal, and you could still technically call this resigning him, it's a DeLon Wright situation in terms of the ability to do a sign and trade with a team who doesn't necessarily want to have their direct cap space hit in the same way as a free agent or have the Grizzlies have a chance to match an offer as a trade and a sign and trade would do. Uh, that's how Wright wound up in Dallas. And I think that this, a similar thing could happen with DeAnthony Melton. So to me, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not as high on Conchar as you are. Shout out to John Conchar for doing the core four last week. Um, but I, I'm, I, I think that he has value. I'm not saying that I don't think he's an NBA player because I think he is. I don't know that he's an NBA rotation player. And I certainly don't know that he's one on a good NBA team. But to your point, the Memphis Grizzlies in 2020 and 2021 really have no incentive to be a good NBA team or at least to outwardly push for that. So while in the mock draft that we're going to talk about here in a moment, I make the push for the Grizzlies to be a good team. When I do these mock drafts, Parker, and you followed me for a while, even before you were with GBB, I use them as mental exercises. Like what would I do in this situation? Like if I'm asked to do another mock draft, like the community mock draft, I may not make a single deal. I might just sit back, see who falls to 40 and be done with it because I kind of got my my uh, jittery hands, so to speak, out with this mock draft. I think the most likely play is that they focus on internal development because now that that p- pick has been conveyed to Boston, now that that conversation is done, they don't have to worry about that anymore. And they can have an opportunity if they're good. That's fantastic. That's great. They intrinsically improved or internally improved. They have grown. They make the playoffs you're on the right path. If you grow as a team and yet you're still worse than you were last year in terms of not being in a play-in situation, which probably won't return, but say the Grizzlies are just a flat-out lottery team next year, even though they have a better win-loss percentage, you're still in a place to improve your team and get better through that deeper lottery that you just mentioned. And it's a chance for you to continue to grow, continue to add assets You have the opportunity to get through the picks that you've already earned in various trades, the Utah Jazz trade, of course, with Conley, the Warriors trade with Iguodala. You have this draft capital. You'll have that cap space that you mentioned in 2021. If you're not going to be a player for a Giannis, if you're not going to be a player for these big-time guys, you can take advantage of, like you said, if Giannis goes to Toronto for some reason, you know, OG could be there. If he goes to Miami, Duncan Robinson could be in play. There's a lot of possibilities for the Grizzlies if they have that cap space to use it wouldn't necessarily be the wisest idea because of limiting what you're capable of doing in the long term uh, with young talent in particular. Now, obviously, in the mock draft that I did, I did the exact opposite of that. I went out and got Tobias Harris, which you could argue is one of the worst trade or worst contracts in the entire NBA. But I got him for essentially nothing. Grayson Allen was the best piece in that trade. I know you love Grayson, uh, but it was Kyle Anderson, Gorgie Dang, and Grayson Allen for Tobias Harris. That's a fleecing in terms of value. Tobias Harris is one of the top, is a top 40 NBA player, and his contract's bad, but the money isn't as important to Memphis in the here and now because their best players, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark, are all on rookie scale contracts. So you can take on that money, improve yourself in the here and now, and it won't hurt your books as much as it would hurt another team. Same thing can be said for the trades that I made uh, involving Jonas Valanciunas, moving on from him. 
trading Valanchunas and Justice Winslow for J.J. Redick, Troy Brown, Thomas Bryant, another first-round pick down the road. It hinders yourself a little bit in terms of what you would do in 2021 free agency, except for the Redick expiring contract. But it also puts you in a place to where you can be better in the here and now. And I do think that it's an interesting thought process because they are in a place, and I don't think Zach Kleiman is going to do this. Kleiman has done nothing to suggest that he would make any deal for someone like Tobias Harris or any deal for passing on anything that could be viewed as an asset. Like I think Grayson Allen at this point, at the very least, is a tradable asset. Uh, If you don't believe in him as a rotation player, I personally do, more than John Conchar at least at this stage. Uh, But if you don't think Grayson Allen is a rotation player, he proved in the bubble that he's an athletic player that can play on the wing and hit the three. That holds value in the NBA. You can tag him to Gorgie Dang in a trade and improve your return. So I think that they are not going to be loose with those types of assets. I think that they're going to play them close to the chest. I think they're going to see what this team looks like with Justice Winslow. I, I do believe the climate and company view the Winslow deal as the major move of this offseason. I could see them trying to acquire another second round pick because this draft is fairly deep. You know, people talk about how shallow it is at the top. I think you could argue that between 20 and 40 in this draft, they're comparable players. Somebody that you take at 20, you could possibly take at 40 and vice versa. So it's it's a situation where I think they're going to be patient. They're going to take advantage of all that they've done to earn that 2021 flexibility. Maybe they swing for the fence for a big free agent. I don't know that that would be smart because those guys usually don't come to Memphis. You mentioned Chandler Parsons that, you know, they had to overpay Chandler Parsons to come here. And that obviously was a disaster. I don't think a big free agent is going to come here outside of the draft or a trade. I just don't see it. So I, I do believe that they could take advantage of those restricted free agents that you mentioned. I think that's smart. I think that if they swing or and miss on that kind of stuff, they could also go and take on, if somebody's trying to create cap space for one of those big names that you mentioned, they could give up a deal like the Warriors did. And all of a sudden you have a 2025 first, it might look really good, or a 2026 first. And eventually, you know, you keep John Morant on a max contract. If Jaron Jackson Jr. continues to progress, he'll probably be due a max contract. Brandon Clark may not be a max contract player, but I would put him in maybe the $18 million range something along those lines if he stays on his trajectory. That's a lot of money to tie up in three players, and you're going to need as many rookie-scale deals as you can get to try to keep those guys relevant and engaged and and, in title contention by the middle of this decade while also staying under the luxury tax, which is so important for a small market like Memphis. So while in the article that I wrote, I went and blew it up, Jonas Valanciunas, Justice Winslow, uh, a lot of these guys, Grayson Allen, Gorgie Dang, and Kyle Anderson, they're all gone, and I bring in all new talent. It was more about gauging what other people see as the value of those players that I respect because as a blogger, you respect other bloggers and other people that interact on NBA Twitter. Um, I, I think that that is a good exercise to do. In reality, I don't know that I would make any of those deals that I actually made because the Grizzlies, for the first time in a long time, are in a legitimately true win-win situation. If they're better next year and they make the playoffs, that's fantastic. Grizzlies basketball is fully back, and we've got a relevant NBA team for the long haul, even sooner than we thought we would. If they don't, you have a lottery pick like you mentioned in a deeper draft, an additional asset to add to the team, plus other picks, plus the young talent like a Grayson Allen, plus whatever you do with the Anthony Melton if you sign him to a team-friendly deal or if you do a sign-and-trade. 
there's just so much room for them to work and grow within the organization that they've created that it doesn't make a ton of sense for them to make an all-in push right now. And that might frustrate some Grizzlies fans that want them to continue on this trajectory, but I don't want people to see a possible step back from the playoffs as a step back as an organization. Sometimes you have to go back a little bit to gain ground moving forward. And I could definitely see the upcoming season being something along those lines. Yeah. And honestly, you said I was going to disagree with you on some of these trades and some of these moves, but I really don't. Uh, I mentioned in my, I think the one thing we disagree on is the value of Grayson Allen. Um, For example, like with the Buddy Heald trade you posted uh, last week, I'm in the ballpark where, if you trade Grayson Allen for another three-point shooter, you're still gonna have a three-point shooting problem because at the end of the day, you you just don't have you have shooting, but I think shooting should also be a little bit of like quantity over quality. If that makes sense, like you want as many as possible, and you're giving up while you're getting one back, you're also giving up one. That like if you're gonna do something like that, you would try to dangle like Kyle Anderson maybe to where. He can still maintain a lot of three-point shooters on the floor. Um, but I also said in today's uh, play review for Grayson Allen that if he is a trade asset, I kind of imagine him being, him being used in a similar trade, like a similar package to like the Mike Conley-Utah trade, obviously without two first-round picks because that was a fleece, if we're going to be completely honest. But Tobias Harris is kind of that guy. I mean, he's a little bit of an overpaid contract, but at the end of the day, He's a borderline all-star player who fills a need, and you make that trade in a heartbeat. I do agree on getting more picks as well. It's something that you did in there because as we've seen the past couple years, especially with these good developmental programs like the Toronto Raptors, Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs, is they really know how to use that G League. And the Memphis Grizzlies are have a luxury having their team 30 minutes down, I-55. And you could stash some of those picks over in the G League and just let them develop for a year before bringing them on into the main roster or even just using them as trade assets. And finally, that Washington-Memphis trade. For one, you filled, you refilled my um, the, grace, the void left from Grayson Allen with J.J. Redick, my first ever favorite college basketball player. But also, too, Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown would be awesome because I think in Washington, their cast is kind of the young guys that could be built around going forward. Whereas in Memphis, they would be seen more as the guys you can put around John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. going forward. You're not building around them. You're using them to build around John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that's valuable. You said that he might be, Thomas Bryant might be one of the best fourth bigs in the NBA. I think he would be the the best fourth big in the NBA. I mean, that he's a brute. He's a big bruising body can rebound, block shots, stretch the floor, everything you want in a modern NBA big man. And having that as your fourth big while he's also 23 years old, that's huge. So well done. I think Zach Kleinman would be very proud of you, Joe. Well, I appreciate that. And I do think that aside from losing that flexibility, which I do think is very valuable, and I just like to play devil's advocate and be contrarian on Twitter sometimes, um, as you know at this stage, Parker. Uh I do think that there's value in that flexibility, but there's also value in showing John Jaron that you're willing to be competitive as much as possible 
and you know and feeding that fire and saying you guys overachieve we're going to add to the talent level and see how far we can push this thing tobias harris is the prototypical third guy uh, again you got to ignore that contract as best you can because it doesn't matter with the money it's different than chandler parsons because mark and mike were already maxed out you don't have those burdens yet so you can kind of eat that money a little bit more easily in the here and now but again that was hypothetical that was a mock draft we have plenty more of that type of content to come over at gbb parker thank you so much for joining me on this episode this has been fun uh, we'll have to do it again here in a couple of weeks sure thanks for having me on absolutely ladies and gentlemen that was parker fleming follow him at paca underscore flaca i'm joe molinax his uh his co-host and the site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com thank you guys for making us a part of your memphis grizzlies fan experience congratulations to john morant the 2019-2020 nba rookie of the year until next time make sure you're subscribing on spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iheart however you take in podcasts Make sure you're subscribing to the GBB Podcast Network so you never miss an episode of the Starting Five, 3 and D, the Core Four, or this show, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. So for Parker, I'm Joe. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.